Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. If you've got health care already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Together, we will make America great again. We shall never surrender. Never surrender. It's what you've been waiting for all day. Buck Sexton with America Now. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll-free at 844-900-BUCK. That's 844-900-2825. The future of talk radio. Buck Sexton. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you here. Buck Sexton with you. And uh, so much to talk about today that I'm just going to try and get through as much and give it uh, the best insight, analysis, and uh, conversation I possibly can, because we have much more to talk about today than we're going to be able to get through. But the good news is we get to hang out every day this week. Um, I I know the NFL is getting a tremendous amount of attention today. We will talk a bit about it. But let me also say that there are not one but two possible flashpoints of real military conflict, of, of wars abroad right now, One, no doubt, I'm sure it jumps to your mind right away, North Korea. But another is also very important and a highly combustible situation right now in northern Iraq with a Kurdish referendum that took place. These are people, the Kurds, who have uh, helped us tremendously in Iraq, have helped us in the war on terror, have been stalwart allies, and they deserve our attention. And in my opinion, they deserve our support. So we will talk about that. I have a, uh, and I, I make no secret of it, I have a particular respect and, and fondness for the Kurdish people. They deserve a state, and now it's a question of how best to get there. Is the referendum a good idea or not? You've got the Turks already mounting the possibility of an incursion. Uh, they've moved troops to the border, with nor- uh, the border of northern Iraq. So this is a very, very serious issue, um, and we will get into both of those as well as the latest on health care, the health care appeal. So this is, a, this is not just going to be a show, I promise you, talking about which uh, highly paid, I would argue overpaid, uh, professional athlete said what or took a knee or stood or didn't stand or whatever it may be. Some of that for sure because it illuminates many different aspects of not just the, the culture war and broad stroke, but a lot of debates and discussions that we're having as a country right now. And sure enough, it has been an opportunity for Trump to expose the Democrat media for what they are, for what they do, for the dishonesty that defines their work these days. Um, So we will get to all of that as we'll get to all of that as well. So I wanted to tell you there'll be a lot of national security later on in the show. And the third hour, we'll have some fun with some other things. I know that there's there's a a theme today for conservatives, for people on the right, and that's going to be to uh, pick apart the hypocrisy of the Democrat media in talking about the NFL, to criticize, uh, I agree rightly, but to criticize many of the players who are doing this, um, and just the response, the response from the NFL co- commissioner, and, but it's, it's largely driven by negativity. And I want to take a different approach today. Um, I would like to start the show, or at least early on in the show, talk to you about two heroes. Let's take a positive. 
let's take a positive stance when we can. Um, the first one, I'm sure that this already comes to mind for many of you, would be uh, Alejandro Villanueva, whose jersey is currently on the way to my apartment in New York City. I mean, not the one that he actually wears for games, but I bought his jersey uh, in a show of, dare I say, solidarity with this veteran, this hero. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to share with you as well, uh, courtesy of the Daily Caller, just who who is this individual, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who is a lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I like to call him the Pittsburgh Patriot, who, when his entire team stayed in their locker room during the national anthem, when, and you're, you must also, I'm sure all of you have seen this, must be aware, the NFL has made a very big point for, for years now, really for decades, of becoming America's game. And a big part of that has been respect and love for the military, respect and love for troops overseas. At least that's the information campaign. That's the public face of the NFL. We love our troops. We love the flag. We love America. We support, love, and defend this country. The NFL has been pushing that for a long time. And I know a lot of players feel very strongly about all of that. A lot of a lot of players um, believe in all of that. So that's important to know, that that has been the public face of the NFL. So when this happens, when you have a team that decides to stay in the locker room, a team that decides that they will not show respect for the anthem, and I, I know that there is all this, oh, their First Amendment rights, and I'll, I'll work through some of that with you. This is actually not as complicated as a lot of, people want to make it out to be um, but I still want to focus on that let's focus on heroes before I get into well not villains but people that I disagree with that I think have made a mistake here that I think are in the wrong or at least are wrong-headed about this so um, we have Alejandro Villanueva who is a three-tour combat veteran uh, in Afghanistan, a former army ranger. And he stood out there by himself, stood out there when his whole team refused to show the respect due the United States, uh, the respect due those who fight to protect this country, fight for our flag. Yes, I know the flag is all about symbolism, but it's a symbolism that has tremendous importance for us. Uh, so he stood out there, and, and you should hear this, I think, because there won't be nearly enough attention paid to it in the media. You'll have a lot of self-serving babies out there who want to talk about social justice or how much they care about oppression or whatever. You will not hear, you will not hear people in the same way, uh, I think, spend their time on how Villanueva is an actual hero. Here's, as recounted uh, via ESPN and the Daily Caller, here's how this NFL player, um, here's how he got the uh, bronze star that was awarded to him by the United States military, uh, as described that night. Quote, as the elder began to explain, Villanueva and his troops were ambushed by as many as eight Taliban militants in a spray of, bu- of bullets. 
Specialist Martin Piggott was shot in the kneecap. Sergeant Roy Dutton was shot in the back of the leg. Army Private First Class Jesse Dietrich was shot near the armpit. Under heavy fire, Villanueva pulled the wounded Dietrich down an alley and into a second mosque where a medic took over. Villanueva returned to fight, but when he came back to check on the injured uh, soldiers, the medic told him they needed to move the wounded to a safer location. Carrying Pigot on his shoulders, Villanueva took the three to a nearby school where they waited for a helicopter that would transport the wounded to the city of Kandahar. Help me, sir, Dietrich cried to Villanueva. He was pretty scared, Villanueva said. He kept asking for help. By the time Villanueva lifted Dietrich onto the helicopter, his eyes were purple. He died a short time later. As a platoon leader, I feel responsible for everything my platoon does or fails to do, Villanueva said. I failed to keep Jesse Dietrich safe, and as you know, it was just tough. I keep thinking of other ways I would have done it, but it was a very tough mission, and the enemy beat us that day. It was just a really bad night. End quote. Villanueva then served two more tours in Afghanistan. He joined the NFL uh, by signing a contract with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2014. This is somebody who was on the front lines. This is somebody who put himself in harm's way, whose love of country is beyond question. And he's going to get heat, I'm sure, from other players, whether they're quiet about it now or, or not. There will come a time when there'll be people who criticize him, maybe behind his back at least, within the league, for not standing in solidarity with the players. But Villanueva knew there was something more important, standing in solidarity with his fellow Americans. You know, so, so he's a hero. I'm going to tell you about another hero in a few minutes. But I, I think the positive of what Villanueva did, for me at least, out, outweighs, outshines, outdoes, overrides much of the, the nastiness and the back and forth and everything else about this NFL taking a knee stuff. Now, we have a great American who knew that it was the right thing to do, and he did it, just like he did the right thing for three tours in Afghanistan. I've never bought an NFL jersey before. Not somebody who buys jersey, not somebody who honestly cares all that much about professional sports, although I do watch the NFL. So I finally bought my first, as an adult, I can certainly say, I bought my first professional sports jersey, and it says Villanueva on the back. I want to talk about another hero in a few minutes, and then we can do the First Amendment discussion, the back and forth. But uh, let me also just say that my biggest reaction to uh, my biggest reaction to this, oh, they have a they have a right to speak. NFL players, all these different teams, what over two hundred uh, taking a knee or doing time and place matters. Standing uh, standing for the national anthem is symbolic and it means a lot to the American people. To do something to disrupt that intentionally, to bring attention to yourself during the anthem, to bring attention to yourself uh, given that there are a lot of people in that stadium and around the country watching who have served. There are people who carry the wounds, physical and psychological, of their service, the family members of those who carry those wounds, and just those of us who have a tremendous and, and, and deep respect for those who have served and their families. Uh, it is meaningful, and that's why it was chosen. That's why some of the individuals in the NFL decided that this is when they would launch their protest. Now, 
I think we can take this idea and apply it to some other situations, and we'll all see quite quickly that it's inappropriate to do this at that time. That's my opinion. They can disagree with me. That's fine. But let's all be clear that no matter how righteous or not your cause may be, there's a time and a place to make that case. I could stand up at someone's funeral and give a long speech, you know, without just just because I'm walking by and there's a lot of attention. I could give a long speech about how we need to do more to combat hunger in in Southeast Asia or Sub-Saharan Africa or wherever. You know, we we need to combat combat hunger. We need to fight against starvation in the world. That's a very worthy cause. And I'm not even getting into right now whether or not the Kaepernicks uh, and others in the NFL, those who have been taking the knee, um, whether they have a worthy cause. Just put that aside for a moment. No matter how worthy the cause may be, it can be offensive and wrong to draw attention to yourself under certain circumstances for your cause. So if I stood up at someone's funeral and said, I want to to feed all the starving children in the world. Why aren't we doing more? I'm going to pass around a collection hat now because I want to feed the starving children in the world. And if I meant it, that could be a good idea. That could be a nice thought. That's a real problem, to be sure. But... If it's at someone's funeral, I think their family's going to be annoyed. I think they would say there's probably a better way to make your case, a better time to make your case. And to use the national anthem at a professional sports event as an opportunity to draw attention to yourself because of. And let's let's not allow the media to do what they're doing, which is say it's about injustice, It's not about injustice. It was very explicitly about some players believing that cops are killing young black men in this country out of racism and and it's systematic, it's systemic, it's nationwide. To do that during the national anthem is is incendiary. It's not the it's not the time, it's not the place. And if you do think it's the time and the place, well then you better you better stand up and expect people to hold you accountable for that. The First Amendment doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want without consequence. This seems to be a a uh, a part of our rights that is lost or abused in this media discussion. So, okay, I will. I want to come back. I know I've, I've gone down the road that I didn't mean to right away, which is what bothers me about this. But I would like to tell you about another hero. It has nothing to do with the NFL, I should note. But I wanted to start with Alejandro Villanueva today. After this, I'll tell you about another hero, and then we'll get into some of the First Amendment discussion. And then the second hour of the show, we'll talk about the possibility of two wars that could break out. I don't think they will, but they could. And things are getting hot, North Korea and northern Iraq, and then discussion about health care. We've got a lot to get into today. Um, 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. I am sure you have thoughts on this NFL situation. Uh, Wherever you are across the country, we'll try to take some calls on this and uh, on other topics as well. So... Team, please light up those lines, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, team. So uh, yeah, I had a feeling, and I just saw this now, the team shared this with me in the, over the break. I knew that, that uh, Villanueva would get, some, uh, would get some heat for what he did from players within the NFL, for sure, um, because so many players, this has now, this has now changed into a uh, player standing up to Trump issue as opposed to 
uh, players. At least that's what some believe, and that's what they think they're doing. And there's all this different, all these different versions of what's going on, what's happening here. But you have uh, Villanueva saying that uh, it was, you know, he feels badly that the other players who did want to stand didn't, and that it was all. What did he say? The team meeting we had on Saturday night brought the whole team together. Uh, we decided to stay away from the situation, not to protest it, but to stay away. Everybody on the offensive line was very clear they wanted to stand for the national anthem. And he's saying that it was, where did he say? Uh, I'm not going to pretend I have some kind of, wait, where did, where did he go? I'm trying to find it here for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, Alejandro Villanueva. Every single time I see that picture of me standing by myself, I feel embarrassed. So now he's, now he's been, uh, <laughs> this is amazing. Now he's been shamed for standing up for the anthem, everybody. Fellow players are upset at him. His coach came out against him. Um, where are his Where are his rights to share? You know, so so now he's not allowed to stand. If the rest of the team isn't going to stand, he's not allowed to stand without getting heat. It's it's even it's even worse than some of us had thought. So here you go. Um, it's it's disappointing. I know I tell you about another hero, and I will in just a moment. But I, I, I'm just letting this sink in. Remember, right before the break, I said to you, you know. If, Players are, I'm sure they're going to get to him on this one because for players, this is about something, well, it's about a lot of different things, but it's largely their perception, I think, of the commander-in-chief of President Trump, and they don't like him. Um, for a lot of the rest of us, the anthem is not about the president. The anthem is about the United States of America, and the flag is about the United States of America and those who serve and defend it and the Constitution. But I, I'm sure it was a... It was a lonely ride back on the uh, on the bus or the plane or however Villanueva. Well, I guess I don't know if it was a home game, but whatever. You know what I'm saying for Villanueva with the rest of his teammates. I still think what he did is awesome. He did it knowing that the rest of the team wasn't doing it, but they got to him. They got to him. This 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 that's quite a culture the NFL is building for itself, where now you got a coach coming out against the player. I mean, so it was not an option for anybody to stand for the. So this is like a collectivist approach. Everybody has to stay away from the anthem now. If, if some on the team want to, everyone has to. Hmm. I hate to break it to you, but the, uh, the anthem is more important to America than any one football team. Um, this is this is not the reaction that they should have uh, with this at all, and uh, it's disappointing. But. Uh, here we are. I still, I still think Villanueva. I, you know, I'm glad I got his jersey. The guy is a hero, but uh, they've already gotten to him. They've already. It's amazing, isn't it? They've already gotten him. Now he feels bad about what he did because I'm sure his fellow teammates, um, I'm guessing most, if not all of whom, never put themselves in harm's way for their country and never thought that much about how they could serve their country. But you know, I'm sure there's a few who did. I'm not sure. I don't know the whole roster. Um, but they. Gave him some tough stuff for this. All right, another hero and then your calls coming up. Uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. Much more coming. Different types of rules. You can't have stickers on your helmet. You have to have your jerseys tucked in. I think what the president is saying is that the owner should have a rule that players should have to stand in respect for the national anthem. This isn't about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's not about race. It's not about free speech. They can do free speech on their own time. That this is about respect for the military and the first responders and the country. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, I think, uh, making a very important point there. For those who may not know, the 
Dallas, uh, some of the Dallas Cowboys, after there was a mass assassination of police officers in Dallas, um, some of them wanted to wear, uh, what was it, a decal, uh, Tyrone, on their helmets in solidarity. And the NFL said no. No decal. Not allowed. So you can't wear a decal to support cops after a whole bunch of cops have been murdered. But if you want to take the knee, it's like the, the the entirety of our nation is at stake with whether or not some players can take the knee during the anthem. Hmm. I, I need someone to help me establish what the standard is there. Because it seems like placating the uh, political proclivities of some NFL players is the only determining standard, meaning that what some NFL players want, the league office and Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, will go along with. But what other NFL players want, they will not. So I, I just I would like some clarity on that. All right, I, I've I've got a lot more on this. Every single line is lit as I figured it would be here today. So I, I want to let me stop stop my you know blabbering for a second. Although I guess I'm a radio host, I'm kind of paid to blabber. I'm sort of a professional blabberer. Um, I, I make an art of bombast. All right, stop it, Buck. Uh, Ed in Ohio on WHLO. Hey, what's going on, Ed? Hello, Mr. Sexton. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, one question and one comment. Regarding all the taking of the knee and all this, that, and the other in the NFL, uh, my question is, what do you want me as a Steelers fan or Browns fan to do? Uh, my comment is... I'd have more respect for political convictions if he played soccer in North Korea or Iran and refused to stand for the North Korea national anthem or the Iranian national anthem. Yeah, I mean, you think that uh, standing up against our country is is poor judgment, I'm assuming. You feel like there are a lot of other things that one could uh, choose to do and, and that would be helpful. And and this is a, a common a common problem with a certain... Uh, well, a certain political political approach to to everything, which is that there are those who believe that they are righteous by uh, speaking down to or or criticizing harshly America, and I just think that that's uh-huh. I think that that's a uh, an unwise and honestly immature political perspective. Right, but I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> You're asking me. What, I don't know. What, what, I mean, I bought a Villanueva jersey, but now the guy's saying, you know, I left my, I let my team down by being the only one out there. So I'm like, I mean, you know, this is there's there's all kinds of things happening here. Look, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna uh, watch it. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm gonna boycott the NFL based on what's happened over this past weekend. Um, if if stuff gets a little crazier, I could see myself just not watching it. I, I'm, but I, you know, I don't like boycotts. As a general rule, I'm I'm anti boycott because it is always used. It's it's used against people like me. It's used against conservatives. It's used against those on the right, especially in media and entertainment. So I, I'm I tend not to be a boycott person, but I tend to be a put your money behind those that you support person. Right. So that's why I bought a Villanueva jersey. And by the way, the guy's still awesome. I don't care if there was a miscommunication with his team or not. I still think what he did is awesome, even if, you know, afterwards there was some issue with it. But I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for you, man. I, I think that, uh, you know, we'll see what the Steelers do with this coming week, and we'll see. But, you know, now it's, it's they're, they're, com- they're complicating this by saying it's about a protest against Trump, right? It's not about the anti-cop protest. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right, I mean, all right, Ed. Protesting against, I mean, what do you want me to do about it? 
I, I don't know, man. You tell me. I, I, I what, what do you want to do? I don't know. We got to see what we got to do. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for him. What do I want him to do? I don't know. Um, but uh, let's let's get into this here. We have uh, Rob in North Carolina on WPTI. Hey, Rob. Hey, how you guys doing? We're good, man. Thanks for calling in. Hey, first I want to start off by saying I served this country for 17 years in the 75th Army Reg- Ranger Regiment in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I want to give Villanueva the best props that he could ever have, and he didn't let his team down at all because we are behind him 110%. And in saying that, you know, it is the spirit to decor that even if you must stand alone to do the right thing, he did the right thing. And it's a shame that we as Americans have allowed ourselves to get to the point where we're at where one true patriot has to stand alone out there by himself to do the right thing during the time when our country should pull together and we should support one another. You know, regardless of what else is going on, you know, Villanueva knows the right thing. He doesn't have to like Trump, but he is our commander-in-chief and he is our president. And he's out there standing by himself, representing not only, you know, America's sport, but he's also representing who he was in the past. And that's an Army Ranger. And, you know, thank you so much for allowing the, the, the diversity of us as Americans to call into your show and be able to express ourselves. And regardless whether you agree with us or not, we're sharing that. And, and thank you so much for having these lines open for guys like me to be able to call in and show our support for Villanueva and guys like him that are out there that are doing the right thing. Well, it's my honor uh, to have you on, Rob. So thank you very much, first, for your service and also uh, for the excellent call. And I, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think you're absolutely right. And, and I, w- I would say this as well. And Shields High, Rob. Thank you, sir. Um, I would say this as well, that uh, Villanueva... Um, I think he did, even if they are upset about this now, I think he did the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether they know it or not, a big favor. Because now there are guys who are coming out who are saying, you know what, I would have stood too, but it was a team decision. Because I'll tell you this, I, I don't care what, I don't care, you know, what the, the, the tone and, and tenor in the locker room is of any sport or whatever, there is no universe in which uh, I would feel comfortable in any way disrespecting the anthem, period, full stop. So at least now there's a conversation about how there are Pittsburgh Steelers that didn't want to do it, but they wanted to be respectful of their teammates and they wanted to stay out of it. But, you know, there's really not there's really not staying out of it. Uh, There's only are are you going to, you know, no one's saying that you have to, uh, you know, grovel and beg and 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 sing and all this stuff. I mean, they're just saying. Show respect. Show respect for the flag. You're, you're, you're at a, at a you're, this is literally a spectacle. You're at a public event, a professional sports event. Show respect for the flag. If you don't, we want to know why. Because it's, it's not about showing respect for Trump. Love, love Trump or not, it's not about showing respect for Trump. We are not pledging allegiance to Trump. That's not what, and I know you know that, I know that. Everybody should know that. But some people are kind of pretending now like that's what this is really about. It doesn't work that way. Like I was saying, if I was talking about feeding the hungry children of the world, that's a worthy cause. That's great. If I did that at somebody's funeral, I would get attention. I might even get written up in the newspaper. But that would be disrespectful because it's not about that. 
And that's how I view the protest during the anthem at the NFL. It's not about it's not about cops mistreating or not minorities in this country. It's not about cops as racist murderers, which is actually what Kaepernick and the Black Lives Matter rhetoric that started all this was about. And I've seen those signs. I have been at those protests. I've I had this debate on CNN with Van Jones where he was trying to tell me that, you know, oh, this is about police brutality. No, no, I was at the protests. And this they weren't expecting this over at CNN. I was at the protests where they were holding up signs about when I say at covering as a journalist or walking through on my way home, um, holding up signs saying, you know, racist murdering cops and how many people of color have to be murdered by cops before you realize how racist the state is and all this stuff. I work for the NYPD and I have law enforcement in my family. Not OK with it. Not OK with that slander that is out there. And Black Lives Matter, as a, as a function of its rhetoric, has been slandering law enforcement. Not to say that there aren't cops who, I mean, I was the first one when that when that cop was caught on video shooting a shooting a, uh, an individual who's running away. And I was like, well, that guy, I mean, that looked like an execution. That That's a that's a bad cop. They call it. There's a word for them. Police have a word. They call them perps in uniform, which is cops who break the law. So all oh, blue wall of science, please. I was just uh, Tyrone and I were talking before the show. I said, if any of the. And many of the detectives that I used to work with were minority. In fact, many of the detectives I used to work with were either black or uh, Latino. If somebody had said something, said something racist, you know, a fellow cop or never mind, actually uh, was roughing somebody up because of their skin color or acting the way it it would have been unthinkable. Um, You mean you would have had a problem with the cop, the other cop right away. So it's just. Anyway, but I'm I'm getting I know, and every line here people I look it's this is people get passionate about this subject I I understand and and uh, you want we want to talk about this let's take Greg in Oklahoma on the iHeart app hey Greg hey Buck hey man uh, what's going on today. you know as a veteran I have to look at it um, in a couple of different lights obviously like you've said over and over it isn't the time or place to make a protest especially about the issue that they want to bring up which is a non sequitur to begin with. Um, but for me, I'm not going to let spoiled rich athletes ruin football for myself. Um, sure, if you guys want to protest, go ahead and protest. I'm going to focus on football, just like I do with Hollywood. You know, Hollywood's practically communist, but I still enjoy the movies they make. Um, so, yeah, they can protest if they want to. I'd obviously prefer that they don't do it during the anthem. Uh, as, as a veteran, you know, that means so much to us. Uh, but at the same time, if they want to go out and help the community or protest in a different way, not at that time, go ahead. Um, but like I said, you just just ignore what they're doing, enjoy the game, and, and I think we would be better for it. Yeah, well, Greg, I, and I, I know you're a veteran, Greg, and, and you're a friend of the show, so great to hear from you as always. Thank you for your service and Shields High. Um, you know, uh, part of the problem here also is that the First Amendment, there's the, there's the First Amendment as law, the First Amendment as a constitutionally protected right. And then there's the First Amendment as a principle, as an idea. I would like to live in a society where we all can share our opinions and ideas without reprisal in our professional lives. Unfortunately, that is not the country that we live in. In fact, we now live in a country where if you refuse to refer to an individual by a plural pronoun, they, instead of he or she, you might be in trouble. You you might lose your job. That, That is the world that that is the America now that we live in. Never mind saying things that are politically incorrect, you know, look at James Damore at at Google. I mean, there's any number of instances of this. Uh, You had 
the CEO of Mozilla, Brendan Eich, fired years later because he supported a a completely mainstream political campaign and opinion at the time, which had to do with uh, marriage, uh, gay marriage and traditional marriage in the state of California. When Barack Obama agreed with him, I mean, Barack Obama and him were same position, traditional marriage. Sure, civil unions, but traditional marriage is traditional marriage. Years later, they're like, you know what? This guy supported traditional marriage. We need to fire him. Now, as a function of law, employers do have some latitude with this. And this is where things are going to get very tricky because, as I already said, oh, no, you can't wear something on your helmet to support cops. Well, then that also means that you don't get to wear stuff. What was it? Kaepernick had the socks with uh, with the pigs on them. That was Kaepernick, right? Yeah, please. By the way, don't, let's not pretend that Kaepernick is some kind of a, a, a martyr for uh, you know, civil rights and you know, give me a break. Guys wearing pig socks with pigs with little police hats on them. Okay, guy's a jerk. But getting a lot of attention now. Now he is wrapped in the righteousness of social justice. It's so easy to do. So much harder to actually make a difference and to inspire people. One of the issues here that I see, and I again, I I'm, I appreciate by the way all of you who are calling in. I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna get through. We've got. The lines here, it's lit up like a Christmas tree. We'll get to more in a second. I think that we have a feeling, and this maybe is this is a change that we're going to either accept or not as a society. But when actors spout off about stuff, we're usually like you're either usually you're you're pretty male and female and lucky. And we don't want to hear it. You know, it's just you're somebody who's like won the genetic lottery. They talk about, you know, the big movie stars. You're really, you know, you're really good looking, male or female, and you're really lucky. And now you want to tell all of us how to live our lives and you don't live your life that way. So we've more or less learned, at least those of us with any wisdom whatsoever, we've learned that, you know, actors, they can mouth off about whatever and it doesn't really, we don't have to, we can kind of be like, yeah, whatever. Thanks. Thanks, DiCaprio. Take your private jet to the climate change rally and, you know, leave us alone. Uh, but with athletes, especially the NFL um, and some of some of the other big ticket, you know, main you know, baseball. I mean, some of these big sports. Uh, but I think the NFL more than any other, really. There's a sense that they really represent America and their leaders, and they're important to the culture in a way that is is more profound, more powerful than, than many other sports. Not all there are, you know, basketball players, baseball players. I mean, there's other big sports that are are certainly in in the same conversation as this. But, I mean, you look at the top top uh, NFL players and the way that society looks at them, and um, we think of them as leaders, and we think of them as kind of men among men. And we might just have to start thinking about them as entertainers. That may be the shift here. You know, we may have to start thinking about professional athletes, even at the NFL, instead of uh, the, the modern-day gladiators who represent the American ideal of hard work, endurance, strength, leadership, all of that. I mean, not to take away from their, these guys, they're inc- they incredible athletes and they've worked very hard. But maybe we have to ignore their politics the same way we ignore actors. Because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. All right. Lots of lines left. We've got, uh, well, as we take calls, we don't have any space right now. As we take calls, though, we will um, open up. So uh, 800, uh, 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. 
Uh, we'll be right back with more. Stay with me. Buck Sexton here. Welcome back to the Freedom Hut. We have uh, uh, every line lit, so let's take them. We have Al in Missouri on WWVA. He's a former Marine. Good to have you on, sir. Thank you. I was a former Marine in Vietnam. I'm a pipeliner now, and I'm working because of President Trump pushing the issue and keeping us working. I raised nine kids doing this. Wow. Congrats. But, That's amazing. And they're all doctors and lawyers and everything else, so I've devoted my whole life to them. But when it comes to the American flag, that is what we rally around, and that's what we're about. It doesn't have a color issue. We're all Americans. Totally. And that's what it's about. I think Kaepernick was being a baby when he took the knee a year ago because his team wasn't doing as good. So we'll leave that at that. You think it was a stunt, Hile? Yes, sir. I think he's being a big baby because the team was really good, but they were having their moments and weren't producing. I hear you, man. Another thing, another thing, when Hillary was with Stephen Colbert, Colbert or whatever. Colbert, yeah. And she goes, well, maybe they take a collection and send me somewhere nice. Well, I on PayPal, I'm taking a collection and send her to Guantanamo Bay for being a traitor. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think that'll work, but I I, I appreciate where uh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Actually, kind of crossed the wires there. <laughs> he wants to send Hillary to Gitmo. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, but anyway, thank you, sir, for um, your service. And would you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a b- off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. There it is. That is what ignited this uh, most recent controversy over NFL and kneeling and anthems and all these players today that were taking the knee and everything else. So it's a pretty, uh, pr- pretty well, <laughs> what do we think of, uh, of President Trump saying that? Yeah, unusual for president to take that, uh, take that um, tone, but nonetheless, there you have it. Uh, also, I'm seeing here that the Cowboys, who are scheduled to play tonight, Dallas Cowboys, are planning to show unity before Monday night football. So I, they're going to stand and lock arms, probably. Yeah. So they're just going to they're going to make a non-statement statement. But fun, fun, I'm okay with a non-statement statement. You know, just. just just be respectful to, be respectful to the anthem. You know, you you can stand there silently, right? I mean, no one's measuring like how quickly your hand goes to your heart, and you know, th- this isn't North Korea. I get it. I mean, but there's a difference. Right? It's like I was saying about the, you know, not not to just always go to a funeral. Let's make it a wedding, so it's a happy thing. You know, you can stand in the back of the room at the wedding and have your own thoughts about everything, and you know, no one's saying that you have to be. Uh, you know, up at the front yelling and cheering for it all. But if all of a sudden you take the wedding as an opportunity to be like, you know, never really achieved my goals in life, and uh, I'd like to just uh, take the attention off the bride and groom for a minute, people would be annoyed, rightly so. And the, the anthem is not the time and not the place for protests about uh, about police in America. And, and if you want to make it about police and, and race issues, uh, then people are going to have something to say about it. Because there obviously is an understanding of what the symbolism is, right? This wasn't an accident. 
They chose the anthem because it's going to upset people. They're, they're deliberately being provocative. There's, there's no way around. Otherwise, why do it at all? Why pick this moment? Because it'll get attention. People will see this. And But now Trump has made this a much bigger issue than it would have been otherwise. And ultimately, I just wish that sports was a, a refuge for all of us from the day-to-day grind. I really do. And I'm not even somebody who's all that crazy about watching professional sports. I have too many old, boring history books to read, which I think are fascinating. But I, I don't really get that excited about uh, much in the way of professional sports. I do watch the NFL. But I do like that it's, you know, when, when I think about how, you know, let me just, and I, I'm sorry, I've got all the lines here are lit. We will get to some more calls in a second. And then, and then I have to tell you about the other hero. I haven't forgotten. I've got another hero that's not getting nearly enough attention in the media. Um, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm not for, and then I have two possible flashpoints for conflict up to and including a major war. i got to get to that, too. And if we have time, I'll tell you about health care because guess what? Republicans, you know, dropped a, uh, dropped a 10-yard pass that would have been a first down here, right? But they, they can't do anything. I mean, this it is, uh, this is, they're not even like, forget about NFL level. The Republicans are like the JV water polo squad. I mean, they just cannot figure out what's going on here. It looks like healthcare is already, the health care reform effort is already doomed. So, I mean, we'll talk about it, but it's not like I've got great news. <laughs> my news is that the health care system is still Obamacare and Republicans stink. There's my news. And I could sit here for an hour and tell you about how much Republicans, you know, they stink and you can't trust them. And other shows will do that. I don't, I don't need to do that. You already know much of that. We'll talk about the issue and what would have happened and where we go from here. Um, but I just want to say that for me, you know, last week, actually, I had the uh, this this happens to be here in New York City. Sometimes I was in a I was in a taxi. And the uh, the driver kind of looked, you know, looked at me twice in the rearview mirror. The guy's maybe looking behind, me, but kind of looked up a third time. And I'm like, OK, he's he's looking at me. And and he said, you know, do I know you from somewhere? Which somebody who did a little, you know, was was the occasional uh, conservative commentator over at CNN. I figure maybe the guy was in an airport somewhere and saw my face on the screen, and you know, and sure enough, that's he's like, I watch CNN all the time, and I'm like, well, you don't see me there anymore, but um, you know, he's I watch CNN all the time, and he guy recognized me. And he want he wanted to talk politics, and it's not that I won't talk politics with strangers. I'm I, I, this is what I do in a sense. I mean, all, all the time, right? I'm always on trying to have these discussions. But I also, you know, I'm it's late. I've had a long day. I I, I actually just want to get home, and and I and I don't want to have a five minute conversation where somebody gets offended or gets you know testy, and I I don't want that. So I turn the you know, turn the conversation to. A few, there are a few things you can turn the conversation to, and one of them is sports. You know, and I, this is one of the tricks that I've learned. Yeah, you know, I do a little political commentary, but you know, yeah. How 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 about those? How about those Giants? You know? And we could have a nice conversation about sports. It's not because I don't want to talk politics with a total stranger, because I um, will talk politics with anybody. But sometimes you're tired, you don't deal with it, and. I've had one or two situations where people have cornered me and they, they want to ask me questions about these things. And I really I just want a sandwich. You know, <laughs> I actually, I actually don't want to give my whole thesis on the Trump administration right now. I, I just I just want a sandwich. It's not that, you know, I'm unwilling to have a discussion with somebody else, but you know, time and place, time and place. I think that's kind of the motto for today. There's a time and a place. 
Um, and I feel like sports now is not even that refuge anymore. Now it's like, you know, how about the Giants? Like, well, did you see the NFL protest? Ah, even sports. Everything is politicized. It's my way of saying everything is so political now. And, and it's, it is different. This is not, I'm not, you know, shaking my fist in the air and saying, you know, in my day, because first of all, my day wasn't, I don't even know what that would mean. And uh, it's because social media is now has an, both an amplifier and a clarifier effect on these conversations. Amplified in the sense that, you know, we all have a voice. We all can be media personalities. We all can be public commentators. All it takes is an Internet connection. And then clarification, which I guess is a nice way of saying it, which is now we, whereas before, I think there were a lot of people who could do their jobs even in the public eye, and you wouldn't necessarily know their politics. Now, they're they're putting it out there for you. And we haven't yet figured out what to do with somebody who, you know, wants to be an NFL announcer like Monday night, and then Tuesday wants to be a gun control expert, or actually somebody who just weighs in on guns and knows nothing about them, right? That 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 happens. So that's what's really different here. Um, like I said, the other hero has nothing to do with football. We'll get there, and also some national security, buck brief, all of that. But I can see we got a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of. We've had the lines lit up the entire show, so clearly we've got people that want to chat about this. Um, let's take uh, Tom in Ohio on WWVA. Hey, Tom. Good afternoon, Buck. Uh, I called the White House today for a couple reasons. One uh, was uh, the. Uh, result of uh, the uh, boycott by uh, uh, Golden State as far as going to the White House. And also, I guess, a college team is planning on doing the same thing. And I said that uh, that's that's okay. You know, all Trump has to do is, for that time slot, and make it publicly known that he's inviting the uh, Cajun Navy and the uh, Waco Navy and the first responders to uh, uh, Harvey and to uh, Irma to the White House in their place. You know, the, these sports figures are just entertainers, and, and we lose track of that. And, you know, we don't uh, invite the... Uh, uh, group that got the most Emmys, the most Oscars, the most uh, Tonys, the most Grammys to the White House and give them special uh, attention so they can stop doing this if, if that becomes comes to that point. But the other part of it is uh, that I want to talk about is uh, uh, Lindsey Graham's bill uh, regarding health care. Now, both Susan Collins and John McCain say that uh, it's not bipartisan. Well, I called both their offices. I, I mentioned it to uh, the White House uh, comment line and also called Lindsey Graham's office that uh, Obamacare is totally partisan, plus the fact that when you consider that uh, uh, Lindsey Graham's bill contains uh, part of Obamacare, that makes it bipartisan, and the fact that uh, it's going back to the states that uh, in some instances are controlled by Democrats, other states that's controlled it's by Republicans. That but Tom, you know this bill is dead on arrival already, right? They don't have the votes. Well, what I'm saying is this, I, I think, would put if, if, if Lindsey Graham and, and Trump were to approach publicly John McCain and Susan Collins and say, don't use bipartisan because this is a bipartisan you're going to get, uh, the, the Democrats want Obamacare and that's it, then at least it puts them up front as being really rhinos and, and for that matter. Yeah, well, the, uh, the Republicans who won't go along... It's either a personal legacy for them, John McCain, or it's about getting free stuff from the quote free stuff from the federal government, which is you know Murkowski and the rest of them. Right. So so yeah, I mean I think you're right on the messaging. And Tom Shields, hi, thank you for calling it from Ohio. But it's our you know here we are and now they failed. Now we're past the window for it to just be reconciliation. Now they and they're just gonna have a thousand excuses. Pretty soon, 
The excuse will be, sorry, we can't do it now because, you know, midterms. That's what's going to – the excuse for inaction will be action would hurt us in the midterms. I think that's where we're heading. Just give it some time. And not much time. We'll be there soon. Uh, Johnny in Mississippi on WBUV. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Buck. Yeah, hey, I just wanted to – I just wanted to say, number one, I think it's unfortunate that one of the few places where we can be united – during an anthem or during our during honoring our flag it's a shame that we can't even have that without it being used yeah i wish that this was a place where we could all you know we all just get to be americans and we're all you know getting to both respect and and appreciate the skills and the accomplishments of these athletes and and we get to you know get away from our day-to-day lives and enjoy ourselves a little bit that's what sports should be about shouldn't be about that i think we lost i can't hear johnny is he still there or? no johnny johnny chill time and thank you we lost you though uh felix in pennsylvania has been on hold for quite a while you're a patient man felix what's going on hey buck how you doing i'm all right you know i kind of i kind of want to talk about conspiracies a little bit and this is interesting how oh, it kind of ties in i think you're on the Some i think you might be calling like- the wrong show but go ahead there are other shows for that <laughs> okay no 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 you're felix, right are you calling the, are, felix are you calling the wrong show are you are you part are you part yeah, of the illuminati well, felix was- I, I, I was I was going to say, you know, despite what Alex Jones says about you, I'm thinking Buck Sexton for president in 2024. Absolutely, absolutely. He is the government. He'll be the but, head of the government. Go ahead. But, look, but you know what? You know, some of these conspiracies, you know, they're not that far off the mark. I mean, let's take a look at Jeff Sessions for a second. This must have been, he must have been planted there by someone who planned, you know, four or five moves ahead because he has completely checkmated Donald Trump, okay? Wait, Jeff Sessions now, has? How so? Well, because Jeff Sessions as the Attorney General, he can't get rid of, um, you know, uh, the guy. Oh, come on, I forgot what his name is now. Who's uh, going after Mueller? Yeah, Mueller, former FBI director. Okay, and they can't go after Hillary, and and, and the D, you know, the people in the DNC for for all, for all the crimes that they committed. Okay, so Sessions is actually a checkmate right there. Wait, but why would Sessions want? I mean, give me your what's what's the two line of what you're trying to tell me here, Felix? Okay, I mean, and, and look at how now here. No, 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 Felix, what like is the, the two-line or three-line, we'll give you three, version of what you're trying to tell me? You well, think I'm Sessions is helping the Democrats? I'm confused. No, 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 no. I, I think that he was a plant by somebody. All right. In, in other words, I think that there actually is a, a certain elite group of people, globalists or whatever. Oh, my gosh, trying to are take there. This country, who are trying to take this country down, okay? And take a look. Our, our, our educational system has been infiltrated. Everything is all left-wing that's taught, right? Look at now what's happening at the NFL, an American institution. Look at how this is being corrupted. Okay. I'm not really see- – I'm not – I'm missing the connective tissue between all these different, these different observations, though, Felix. It's, it's taking, uh, taking America down, okay? In other words, trying to bring us into the global fold. You got, you know, you got the, 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 the climate change thing. And it's, you know, it, it, that's all related to UN Agenda 21 and the sustainability, um, you know, and, and so you got people pushing for that. And then you look at even like this whole Black Lives Matter thing. I mean, they based it on two poster boys, you know, uh, Michael Brown, you know, who was who was a thug who was committing a crime and Trayvon Martin, who was committing an assault, you know, instead of, uh, you know, using legitimate cases of, of police brutality. You know that. Yeah, I, I will. I will say that those those are those are two very bad. And Felix, thank you for calling in. Thank you for holding for such a long time. Uh, th- those were not good cases to be the 
exemplars of what there is real police. I mean, you know, I could sit here and talk to you about some of them. There, there are cases of really bad police brutality. It does happen. Um, and there are cases where cops are guilty of murder, recent ones. But Mike Brown, well, I mean, the Zimmerman uh, thing, or George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, Zimmerman wasn't even a cop. I mean, uh, what that had to do with, you know, and and that's where they created this concept of a white Hispanic. I mean, they created a whole new categorization to make that story more interesting. The media, NBC, actually changed the audio tape so that it sounded more racist. I mean, anyway, we we we, we that was a while ago, but that was, that was a fascinating uh, case study. Okay, I've got the other. Since we've taken calls, we're gonna get into the other uh, hero story, which I'll get into right after this break, and then. Um, we'll talk about North Korea. We'll talk about Kurdistan, if it is a thing, because that's really what's up for debate right now. Will there be a Kurdish country carved out of northern Iraq and what that could do in the region, the destabilizations that could happen there? So we will get to that and uh, much more. Buck, back with you now. I started the show talking about Villanueva and his heroic stand, uh, and I also mentioned another hero that didn't get nearly as much, uh, and in my opinion, didn't get nearly enough attention over the weekend. Um, there was a shooting at a church in Tennessee that left one dead, a mother, uh, of future mother and wife, um, and seven wounded. Uh, and the hero here is um, uh, Robert Engel, who was the usher. So a shooter walked into a church and just started shooting people at random. And the usher uh, tackled him, withstood being pistol whipped to his own head. And then the gun in the struggle that the shooter had brought in, uh, Emmanuel Sampson was the shooter. Uh, the gun went off and, and hit the shooter. And then a uh, hero of our story, Robert Angle, was able to run out to his vehicle and get his firearm and then hold the shooter, uh, hold the shooter until the police were able to get there. So if it were not for this usher, you could have had many more killed in this church. This was a mass shooting in a church. Now, you have the heroics of Robert Engel, who I have to say, it's much easier after one of these incidents to think about how we would all uh, react um, in a similar way than it is to actually do so in the moment. The moment somebody comes in to a situation like that, the uh, Never in a million years would you expect you're in church in Tennessee uh, near Nashville and there would be some deranged shooter just start start uh, firing at people. So it is really worthy of of uh, of acclaim and, and deep respect and admiration that this uh, that this man tackled the shooter and, and stopped him from going on a mass murdering spree. It's terrible that he killed one woman. He shot seven others. Um, why didn't this story seem to merit much more of the media's attention? Usually a, a mass shooting, we'll, we'll hear a lot about um, how this is evidence of why we need more gun control. or We would hear about the uh, different possible angles, whether of if it's police involved or if there's a racial angle to it. Well, here you had a Sudanese immigrant to the United States who, for no apparent reason that anyone's aware of, tried to go on a mass murder spree inside of a church, was stopped by uh, someone 
who also was able to get to a firearm and prevent. So a good guy with a gun stopped a bad guy with a gun, which as those of us who pay attention are honest and know what the heck we're talking about, will tell anyone who listens that that's usually how these situations, when they don't end with, you know, 15 or 20 dead or five or 10 dead, when, when it when it ends sooner than it would have otherwise, it is oftentimes because a good guy with a gun, whether law enforcement or a civilian Good Samaritan gets there and stops the situation from being much worse than would have otherwise. Um, but it was an immigrant. It was a, an African immigrant to the United States shooting up a uh, a church. And it's just not a story the media is particularly interested in. They just don't want to talk about it. So I wanted to talk about it just because we should know that Robert Engel of Tennessee saved a bunch of lives. And he is a hero. And this is a story that everyone should know and we should be hearing much more about but you know we've got so many on the left who think that Kaepernick is brave for taking a knee no no Engel tackling a shooter to save lives in a church that's brave if you want a hearing if you want a hearing you better shut up If you want a hearing, uh, there's Orrin Hatch trying to deal with some some hecklers, some protesters on the health care bill. I've got I've got good news in a sense, although it's news of bad news. But I suppose in the situation, it could be construed as good news. Uh, it doesn't really matter because the latest on the health care bill is the following. Collins becomes a third Republican to oppose Graham Cassidy bill. Um the main senator joins McCain and Paul in saying they won't vote for the health care bill. Here's what we got courtesy of The Wall Street Journal. Senator Susan Collins of Maine said Monday she opposes the latest Republican health care proposal to roll back the Affordable Care Act, officially leaving the GOP legislation without enough support to pass. Ms. Collins' opposition likely, likely marks the death blow for the bill which had been close to collapsing for days. GOP leaders can lose no more than two Republican votes to pass the bill. Rand Paul of Kentucky, John McCain of Arizona already said they couldn't support it. So McCain, Kentucky, Paul, and also Ted Cruz was against this, I'm hearing. Oh, gosh. What's going on? Yeah, Fox reporting that earlier today. Uh, So what exactly, what exactly are we paying these Republican members of Congress to do? What's the point of going out and electing them and doing all this if they're just going to not do very much at all and then say that it's the Democrats' fault on the other side? Um, The protesters were saying, uh, uh, there are protesters that are saying no cuts to Medicaid, and here's some audio from one of those protests. I'm so sorry about this process. I would have preferred... kind of hear they're yelling no cuts to medicaid that's what the big no cuts to medicaid once yeah yeah it's it's not the most i can't hear what with no cuts to medicaid what was the end of it what they're saying is oh no cuts to medicaid or no liberty that's not the catchiest that's not the catchiest tune i've ever heard you know what i mean no cuts to medicaid or no liberty they could use some help on the slogans i want to put that out there uh healthcare protesters 
You know, you guys could you guys could up your game a little bit. You know, your your meme you're not really memeable. Your memes are weak here with the uh, uh, no cuts to Medicaid or no liberty. I don't really understand. Not really clear on what they're. I mean, I know what they're trying to say, right? But that's not. You're not going to put that on a bumper sticker anytime soon. Um, so, uh, no cuts to Medicaid. That's to be expected. That's why Obamacare was all designed. It was designed so that you could never get rid of it. That's why it was front-loaded with all the goodies originally. Uh, the goodies being the stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26. That's not really all that meaningful as health as health insurance reform goes. We don't even have a health insurance system, really. As I've always said, we have subs- subsidies and 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 government mandates that determine what the insurance market is. It's not really about risk and insurance. It's about what people get through the political process. But what they're given really is a better way to put it through the political process. But uh, it doesn't look like doesn't look like we're going to have all that much to talk about with this bill. The, the basics of the bill, had it gone through, which it doesn't look like it's going to do, the bill would have given money to the states instead of giving money to the well letting the federal government set up the exchanges so here we are um yeah that's not going to happen so it's an interesting idea but i suppose the discussion of it at some level is somewhat uh at this point academic because they're not going to do it it's not going to happen they are unable to get this bill through and uh my frustration uh, my frustration with the Republicans at this point is becoming, oh, uh, I guess I'm becoming numb to my own frustration with them. Um, but I, I did want to note something on the, this is a, a more maybe a more we'll go to a more interesting place in the healthcare debate for a second here, because wh- why am I going to uh, why am I going to get deep into the details of uh, a healthcare bill that's not even going to go through at this point? That's the the third real attempt the Republicans have had this year, and they, they can't make it work. This was particularly interesting to me, though, because it brings together some of our threads from last week, some of what we were talking about last week. And that is, you will remember, a very some very self-righteous lectures for the American people, courtesy of comedian, who seems neither particularly nice nor particularly funny, uh, comedian Jimmy Kimmel, who, you know, he called... Uh, Brian Kilmeade, a little creep, and said he was basically kissing up to him and everything, and you know, was, he was being a, he was being nasty about that, um, you know, sort of implying that uh, Brian was uh, you know being weaselly or something. So um, that wasn't that wasn't cool. And uh, he also what was, he also was going after Cassidy, right? That was the big Cassidy lied to his face, and Cassidy's a liar. And everything. So Jimmy Kimmel was on was on the war path last week, going after people on this health care thing. And then we found out something pretty interesting, which is which I you know it ha- we came out on a Friday, so I feel like it's kind of getting lost in the shuffle with all the NFL and taking the knee and don't take the knee and stand don't stand lock arms all this. No, so many people are saying I defend the right of these players to say it. Well, I know and I'm going I'm backtracking the NFL thing, but it's not about whether they have the right to say it from a government perspective. It's does a private employer have to allow for this speech because they don't allow other speech. No. I work in radio. Yeah, I have free speech rights as and I could say a lot of stuff uh, about the government. And there are some limits to it, right? But I could say a lot of stuff that the government may or may not like, um, may or may not like, 
and they can't take action against me, but my employer can. I can't sit here and start cursing up a storm and saying whatever I want about anybody and be like, well, the First Amendment, right? No, that's not how it works. You get fired. Same thing for the NFL, everybody. I know I, people hate to think of it this way. The same people who want bakers to lose their ability to make a living and have their businesses shut down and destroyed by the government because they won't make a cake for certain people are the people that I noticed were saying, you know, well, you know, there's, there's a, they have a right to free speech in, in the, you know, at the uh, NFL. Hmm? Which is it? Do you, do you have a right to free speech and free expression or not? They, they can't seem to figure that out. But all right, back to the... Um, uh, pardon the digression. Pardon the digression. Back to Jimmy Kimmel, comedian, uh, who said the following, or who we found out the following on Friday, courtesy of The Hill. Comedian Jimmy Kimmel consulted with Senate Minority Leader Charles Schumer's office on details surrounding the health care debate, the Daily Beast reported Friday. Schumer's office provided technical guidance and info about the bill as well as stats from various think tanks and experts on the effects of the legislation, a source told the outlet. Okay. So you know what this means, right? Just we're going to connect all these dots. Now we have late-night comedians who are straight-up mouthpieces, are just, are just megaphones. They are propagandists for Democrat politicians. This is as, as clear as can be. Jimmy Kimmel is getting his information for his monologues and other stuff. He is a de facto uh, functionary of the DNC, of Chuck Schumer, of Nancy Pelosi. Up there, you know, I'm a comedian, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I don't know anything. Oh, you've cornered me on an area of subject, uh, subject matter that I don't know anything about? Ha, 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 I'm just a comedian. But let me make fun of all those dumb Republicans who want to do something about health care, who hate poor people and hate minorities, ha, ha, ha. Well, wait, that's not true. They're actually trying to make the health care system better for everybody because Obamacare stinks. Oh, I'm a comedian. Ha, ha, ha. Sorry, it was just a joke. You know, that, that's the game. It is, it is both sword and shield. They use it to attack. They use it for defense. I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. You know, clown nose on, clown nose off. Which is it going to be, Kimmel? Is the clown nose on? Or are you making us laugh? Or are we supposed to listen to your, your stories about health care in this country? Because I don't want the clown nose on, but you're taking orders from Chuck Schumer. That's a problem. Honk, honk, right? That's not cool. But that's what we found out. And I should know. I, I, those of you listening, and I know a lot of you are like, Buck, I don't watch this, that late night comedy, you know, that late night talk show, whatever you call it, uh, late night show. Um, but, you know, how surprised are you? I'm guessing not all that surprised that you have comedians who are t- taking their marching orders from... I know people say, oh, Buck, that's not fair. He's just getting information. Really? How big do you think Jimmy Kimmel's writing and production team is? They, they really need, the, they need Chuck Schumer's office to give them help? They really need to get their help from Chuck Schumer? Hmm. A little suspicious, isn't it? A little suspicious. Speaking about health care, we got Dr. Rick from Maryland on the line. What's up, Dr. Rick? Drop some knowledge. Oh, Buck, I tell you, I can't, I am so upset about this, and I have been for years. Um, I thought from the beginning that Obamacare really was meant to bring on a single-payer system. I still believe that. I think it was contrived from the very beginning to fall apart. And I don't see anyone in um, left or right that has the guts to have an honest conversation about health care. 
Well, what do you think that conversation would sound like? Well, it would sound like because you're you're a things. practitioner, um, right? Would, you're an MD. I, I I'm I'm a PhD. I'm a, a psychologist. Oh, different um, kind of doctor. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I'm a, I'm 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 that conservative shrink in, in People's Republic of Montgomery County. So, um, but I'm a neuropsychologist, a specialty, but I have a private practice, and I've been blessed to be very busy. I'm fee for service, so I don't take any insurance anymore except for Medicare. And then I work at a very large, renowned hospital in the area um, where they are having a very hard time. Most of the hospitals actually are in the red, in all honesty, and they try to hide the fact. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Medicare is, that is quickly becoming Medicaid. Many people are leaving. Good practitioners just cannot afford to be on Medicare. In fact, I wasn't paid for a year and a half. They owed me thousands and thousands. And thankfully, uh, one of our senators helped, and I finally got the money back. Um, I may have to leave. I don't want to. I don't want to do that to my patients. But I've been telling people for years that it will get to the point where they have so few practitioners for Medicare that I could see the government saying, for me to be licensed, I have to see a percentage of Medicare patients. Which, which would make so you a de facto employee of the state, right? That, that actually is socialized medicine. Once they start saying that you have to see people and have to take a certain price for it, you have to use your professional expertise, you're an employee of the state. Absolutely. They're already doing the price point, and pediatricians literally lose money per well baby shot. Um, now, I'm, I've been blessed. So I have my own, my own uh, general practitioner. It has a boutique practice. He has one of those VIP practices so I can get in whenever I need to see him. Um, and, and you pay one fee per, per year. Um, there are all these models out there. But I think the other problem is, and this is the left versus right differences, those aren't the conservatarians and conservatives. We, we, you know, we, we believe in charity versus the government. And I think they're blending charity and helping people out with health care with other things, and they then they take away from other people. So there's always winners and losers, depending on, on you know, what side you're on. And they're not having this honest conversation, and, and the prices are way too high, partly because of the government, same like colleges and tuition, same thing, same principles happening, and they're not allowing the free market to really take place. Yeah, I know the, the absence of the free market is one of the things that really – or absence of a free market role in so much of this healthcare discussion is really bothering me. I mean, that we're supposed to be so excited that the states would be in charge instead of the federal government. Okay, it's a little better, but it's still not what we're looking for. But Dr. Rick, great to have you, man. Shields high. We got to run into a quick break here. I will be talking to you about certainly uh, one, if not both, of the following, Kurdistan and the referendum to separate the Kurdish region of northern Iraq from the rest of Iraq, which the Turks and the Iranians and the Iraqis will all freak out about, including perhaps leading up to a military incursion into Kurdistan, uh, which this could get very, very bad, very messy. Um, And uh, then there's also North Korea saying that the U.S. has declared war on them, which is uh, not true, but also interesting because technically the war with North Korea never ended from 1950 to 1953. Technically, that war never concluded. It's been really on pause. Um, but also, it was never a war. It was a police action under the auspices of the United Nations, just where the U.S. did most of the fighting. So, yeah, there's that. We'll be back with that and more. president have a problem with the First Amendment? Not at all. The president is simply stating uh, that... 
pride in our country is a good thing. It's something that we should all celebrate. It's something that should, frankly, bring us together, not divide us. This isn't about the president being against anyone, but this is about the president and millions of Americans being for something, being for honoring our flag, honoring our national anthem, uh, and honoring the men and women who fought to defend it. I should know that was uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, just speaking about the whole NFL controversy and what the pre- where the president stands on it. I just want to note that on my my sheet, uh, my audio sheet, and also throughout the day when I'm looking, sometimes I'll see a quote from Sanders, and I, I can't get this out of my head. I'll see, you know, the quote is Sanders. He's simply stating that pride in our country is a good thing, and I immediately think, "Wow, Bernie Sanders is really having a bipartisan moment." Like. You know, he's just standing up for America. He loves America. What's the problem? It's the flag. It's the anthem, baby. Stand up for it. You know, like and because and I, I see these really pro-Trump patriotic statements and then with Sanders after it. And I always think of Huckabee Sanders, which is how she was initially uh, introduced to us all. So whenever I see Sanders, I'm like, wow, Bernie Sanders really reaching across the aisle. It's like, you know, President Trump's doing a great job. Great jobs. He loves America. He wants people to stand for the anthem. He's not a racist. Who says he's racist? That's crazy. And then I realize. Oh, it's not that Sanders. It's Sarah Sanders, the White House spokesperson. Oh, it all makes sense now. But occasionally I'm like, wow, Bernie. But it's, it's not Bernie, though. It's not Bernie. Um, so you can imagine some of the quotes you see from the White House press secretary and thinking they're coming. From, that would be amazing, by the way. Bernie Sanders just like taking the podium and all of a sudden he's like, I love Trump. It's all been a big lie. I think Trump's amazing. You know, it would be. Yeah, exactly. Tyna, it would be amazing. Like, this would be phenomenal, right? I mean, think the political world would just, you would see DC journalists, their actual heads would just come flying off into the sky, right? Just, Bruh! all of a sudden, Hillary showed up. Bruh! Hello, what happened? All right, so it was, I had the wrong Sanders in mind, but that's, that's going to continue. I'm telling you at some point on the show, it will be an accident, but I'll call for a clip thinking it's Bernie Sanders and, uh, and it will be. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and vice versa, just because Sanders, um, I can't get it straight sometimes. We just use last names when we pull audio clips. Uh, I should note that there was an expansion of the uh, travel ban. Um, I just have a couple quick thoughts on this before we run into our next break here, and then I'll talk to you about uh, the Kurdish referendum. It's a big deal, everybody. If you care about the Middle East and national security, this Kurdish thing is this is a risky business, although I'm I'm very— I am very favorably, and I admit this, I I have a bias in favor of the Kurds. I'm very pro-Kurd. I am very hard on Turkey for a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. Although I have some Turkish friends who are wonderful people. I've got got Turkish friends. I do, actually, but uh, I'm very pro-Kurd. But the administration expanded its uh, its so-called Muslim ban to a number of countries, including, including North Korea and Venezuela. Uh, Chad, North Korea, and Venezuela were added. Um, I just want to know. So, what do we? What do they call the Muslim ban now that um, completely secular, totalitarian North Korea and uh, Christian Venezuela are on the list? Are we still going to call it the Muslim ban? Because I'm pretty sure now, if not before, it's not a Muslim ban. You are now entering the Freedom Hut Tactical Operations Center. All sensitive programs must be kept strictly need to know. Team Buck is cleared. Roger that. And ready for the Buck Brief. As jubilant Iraqi Kurds celebrate their vote Monday on independence from Iraq, shooting off fireworks and parading in cars, 
festooned with Kurdish flags late into the night. Their neighbors conducted military exercises on the region's borders, raising the threat of military intervention if it secedes. The vote played out on a historic day for several several million Kurds in northern Iraq and was a pivotal moment in the Kurdish dream of a politically independent state. End quote. That's from the New York Times earlier today on as Kurds celebrate independence, neighbors threaten military action. Most notably, the neighbors are uh, Iran, Turkey and Iraq, which the uh, Kurdish area uh, would be seceding from if, in fact, it did so. You had a referendum. It was overwhelmingly in favor of uh, in favor of an independent Kurdish state. Now, I want to give you a little bit of uh, backstory here, a little bit of a history, and then we can talk about what this means for today, because the possibility of a conflict, the, the, the scariest ones are, in my mind, are either, and the most likely, a Turkish incursion into uh, into Kurdish Iraq, into northern Iraq, in order to prevent a secession, or in response to in response to secessions, more likely, or an Iraqi uh, military uh, Iraqi military response from Baghdad, saying, "Sorry, you don't get to do this." And what the U.S. does here? There's the concerns of realpolitik and uh, and trying to deal with a very complicated region and put the interests of an allied Iraq uh, high on our list of priorities. And and then there's the moral and ethical obligations that I think many of us feel to the Kurds. Um, so here's, here's some, just some back, some background information, a backgrounder on the, on the Kurds that we should know before we can talk about what this means. Cause this could, I don't think it will, and I don't like. I know that it's a useful, it's a useful ploy to go on radio, and you know, every everyone is terrible, everything's a disaster, and we're all going to die, right? That's the that's the basic formula for uh, different shows that have had some success or other over the years. You know that it's everything is terrible, everyone's awful, all the Republicans are traitors, and the country is about to collapse. But I like to talk about what's what's real and what's happened and what is happening. Um, uh, that's just my preference, and I think those of you who come listen to the show expect that and, and appreciate that. So what you need to know about the Kurds, uh, they have their own language. They are ethnically and linguistically distinct from Arabs, and they were promised their own state. And they have been stretching back for, for centuries. Uh, they were promised their own state of some kind, at least, by Woodrow Wilson after the collapse of the Ottoman Empire because the Ottoman Empire extended over so much of the Middle East that all of what are now Kurdish areas fell under Ottoman uh, Ottoman control, Ottoman domain at the time. Uh, so we've said to them for, well, a century ago, we told them that they would have their own state. We just had to figure it out. But then we had, is- we had the creation of Israel, Balfour Declaration, Israel-Palestine. You had Sykes-Picot, which was the separation of... Uh, what is now the Near East, Mediterranean Near East uh, states of Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, uh, into areas of British and French influence. Uh, some people would, I think, be surprised to know that even back in uh, the 1920s and 1930s, there were concerns and, and even military action taken against uprisings in Syria. And I believe there were French planes even dropping bombs in Damascus uh, a century ago, but 
Mideast history lesson or Mideast history deep dive for another day. The Kurds are the largest, or believed to be the largest stateless uh, ethnic and linguistic group in the world, something in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 million of them. And they're spread all over. There's a lot, a very large Kurdish, uh, Kurdish diaspora. Um, and those who are, uh, I was gonna say, those who are interested in history, which I'm realizing more and more is, is all of you listening, which is, makes me very happy and I greatly appreciate. Um, Saladin, uh, who now is Saladin province, but Saladin, who took Jerusalem back from the Crusaders, uh, Kurdish, in fact, uh, came from a town in what is now Saladin province, came from uh, a town that Saddam Hussein was desperate to link himself to, to be the modern day Saladin. But Saladin was a Kurd. Um, and the Kurds have a long history of military prowess. Uh, so the Kurds in the more modern, uh, more modern era um, have been waging a, a long-standing insurgency against various tyrants, uh, whether in Iraq or in Syria or in Iran or, yes, in Turkey, which is really where they are uh, mostly spread out now. If you're looking for one contiguous area of Kurds, it would be in Turkey, it would be in uh, Syria, uh, northern or Iraq, northern Iraq, and also into Iran. So you can imagine those are all very important countries in the region. And they all have their reasons for opposing an independent Kurdish state. So I'll start with that, and then I'll get into why I think that we owe, we owe the Kurds something here. And as a country that was founded on the premise that we should not be, uh, we, we should not be left to the whims of tyrants who do not represent us, who are not uh, representative of our interests, and who have broken their covenants with natural law and with their promises to us, um, that's something that we should have some uh, sympathy for, at least, I think. We should have sympathy for the Kurdish plight here. And I, I tell you this up front. There are other people, there are uh, wonderful people I know, who either military or you know backgrounds in diplomacy or intel or whatever it may be, who are, will tell you all the reasons why. There's a terrible idea. And, you know, Turkey's a critical NATO ally and we really need, you know, that's more important than it. I, I'm very pro-Kurd. Um, I, I am uh, in favor of uh, Kurdish aspirations and, and I think that we should reward, we should reward them. And I'll get into why we should reward them in a second. And I know we're, we're covering a lot of territory in a short period of time. So I'm really trying to focus on just the key points. Why do Turkey, Syria, Iraq and Iran have a problem with a Kurdish state? In Iraq, I should know. It would just be Iraq. And they're not trying to carve, at least not yet, they're not trying to carve off pieces of these other countries to create this Kurdish homeland. It would just be in northern Iraq, which already, and they, this is part of the argument, has autonomy in many ways. It, it already is really a, a kind of a, a federal zone. It, it operates its own distinct government. It has its own schools. It has its own flag. In fact, I won't lie to you, I had a Kurdish flag T-shirt that I used to wear uh, many years ago after having uh, become acquainted with and an admirer of uh, the Kurds. And uh, again, I'm, we'll get into why that is. So uh, just to put it out there, I'm, I'm, I'm a Kurdish, uh, Kurdish supporter. Uh, the problem that Turkey has with this is that Turks, the Turks have a large Kurdish speaking minority. They don't recognize them. 
In fact, one of the problems that the Kurds have had over the, let's call it the last century, is that these other states that were formed, and there's a whole colonial legacy to why is there an Iraq and why is there a Syria and where did these things come from? Um, and the fall of the Ottoman Empire and what that meant for the region after the First World War, uh, their language has been banned in different countries at different times. Their, their dress, their style of dress has been banned in different times at different countries. Uh, there have been lots of efforts to suppress them and uh, they, there's an old Kurdish saying that their only friends are the mountains, which is really true. Which is really true, as I've discussed with you before. If you look at the uh, history of people that come from mountainous areas, whether it's you know uh, everything from the the Hmong in Southeast Asia, the Scots from uh, Scotland, from you know north of Great Northern Great Britain, uh, show me an area where there are mountains, and I'll show you people that have probably at one time or another resisted a central governing authority. Afghanistan is a fantastic example of this. Um, but P- Highlanders of all kinds, not just Scottish Highlanders, but Highlanders tend to have their own way of doing things. They tend to resist government. And, you know, True in Appalachia, true in Southeast Asia, true all over the place. Tend to have their own way of doing things. Um, and the Kurds are, are another prime example of that because of their ability to uh, evade central government control stretching back for generations. They have uh, had difficult relationships with the different countries in which you have a Kurdish minority population. Uh, so in Turkey, you even have an insurgency, an ongoing insurgency, the PKK, the Kurdistan Workers Party, which is really a, a kind of old school. Think of it in the 70s, 80s time frame of when you had these Marxist separation Uh, liberation movements and separation movements, separatist movements. That's what the PKK is. It's a militant separatist movement in Turkey. So you have Kurds living in Turkey who are obviously, uh, you have Turkey's ethnically Turkish, and uh, the Kurds want to be able to speak Kurdish, which they're not, they've they've had all kinds of problems with that and not allowed to do. And in fact, the Turks call them Mountain Turks, which I think is a, a pejorative for them, but they call them Mountain Turks. They don't even recognize them. And there's this insurgency, and there are all, all kinds of problems. With that. In northern Syria, the Kurds are there. Now, they've been able to uh, been, be very effective and helpful in our fight against the Islamic State in northern Syria. In fact, it is Kurdish militias that we have relied on as our ground force to defeat ISIS. So we owe them a debt of gratitude for that. Um, and then you have Iraq, which is the single most important case, I think, for why we owe the Kurds something. And if you look at the Middle East in over the last, let's call it, well, I could pick any, any, a bunch of different numbers here. Let's call it the last 50 years. Uh, there have been lots of uh, cycles of bloodshed and violence and instability and people turning on the U, former allies turning on the U.S. And then in the more uh, recent era of jihadist and Islamist movements rising to prominence in the Middle East. There has been one group, certainly stretching back all the way to the 80s, and this is why we also had the no-fly zone set up to protect them in northern Iraq. There's been one group who has been showing that there's nothing specific to the Middle East that means that they have to be, that it has to be unstable. But I should know, Kurds are Muslims, but they don't have this jihadist terrorist problem that some of the other uh, regional states uh, and different groups have. They seem able to control the jihadist threat in their midst. Uh, and they've not just seen that they've been able to. Not only 
do we not worry about the no, that's not that there have been Kurdish terrorists. I'm not saying that. But not only have we not had to worry about a jihadist takeover of, of Kurdish areas and but the Kurds have been an ally with us fighting against jihadists, uh, the Peshmerga, who are famously known as in, in Kurdish. It's those who make a pact with death. That's what Peshmerga is, the Kurdish militia of northern Iraq. And to call it a militia isn't really I mean, they're. They're a standing army. They're just for a region, not for a central government. Um, And there are these other governments and these two families in particular that control two different parts of the Kurdish areas of northern Iraq. But they've been fighting with us. They've been working alongside us in Iraq. They have been a trustworthy ally and partner. They were fighting against Saddam Hussein. And they, you know, I have friends who go to uh, Erbil, they go to the Kurdish areas of Iraq. They're like, this is, it's, you know, it's like being in Turkey, actually. Those of you who've been in Turkey. If you've been in Turkey, you'll be like, wow, northern Iraq kind of feels like Turkey. Although don't tell the, don't tell the Kurds or the Turks that. Well, there's been a lot of investment from Turkey in, in the Kurdish areas. Uh, but they have shown that stability and, uh, and investment and rule of law, these are all possible in the heart of the Middle East, not just in the heart of the Middle East, in, in the middle of what has been the messiest, nastiest neighborhood. I mean, the Kurds were, were bombed by Saddam. There was the Anfal campaign. He, was, he dropped gas on them at Halabja. I mean, they've been through all of this. And we've turned our back on them before. And, you know, people always talk about U.S., you know, separating our friends from our foes and our allies from, from our enemies. And the Kurds have been an ally in a neighborhood where we need them. And they have really stood beside us. And, you know, I know that, you know, our our troops who have been fighting alongside Kurds, who have been training with Kurds, they trust them. They admire them. They know that they they stand and fight. Um, And and it was really the 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 Kurds that were able to check the initial advance of the Islamic State into Iraq. And then with our help, begin to turn that campaign around. So I know that this could this could get very messy because Iran Turkey, although Iran, who cares, right? But Iran, Turkey, Iraq, they're all worried that pieces of their own countries will be part of this Kurdish uh, nationalism project. And the Iraqis are particularly worried about losing oil revenue that comes from northern part of the country, particularly from Kirkuk, which has their oil fields outside the Iraqi city of Kirkuk that have important revenue. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying this won't be messy. But I am saying that the Kurds want their own state. They want autonomy, and I don't know if it's today, but we should help them get there. That's my opinion, and people are free to disagree. We'll be right back. Welcome back, team. I think maybe we'll do more. Uh, we'll do some uh, updates on North Korea tomorrow because I want to give that. I want to give that some uh, ample time. So we did Kurdish referendum on uh, independence today because it happened today. We'll we'll do the latest on the North Korea. Uh, saber-rattling, escalation, standoff, all the terms that you're hearing from the media all, all the time. We'll get to those, I think, probably tomorrow. I know we've got a caller who wants to talk about this in a second. We have a caller coming in from uh, Delaware. By the way, I love Team Buck, Delaware, and Maryland are strongholds. Love it. So uh, always great to have folks in, uh, well, anywhere in the country, but got a lot of Delaware and Maryland folks listening, which makes me very happy. Uh, Ed, in Delaware on the iHeart app, what's going on? Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. What's on your mind? Shield tie. Shield tie. There we go, Ed. Shield tie. Um, I'll just get straight to the point. North Korea 
has been allowed to progress like this for 20-some years. All these past presidents didn't do nothing. They're more worried about China getting involved while my opinion about China is bring it on. Um, if we wait one minute longer, North Korea may lob a nuclear weapon. We just can't wait any longer. It's over. It's done. We need to do something now. Now, if not sooner. You're ex-military, I see um, here, Ed. Is that correct? I'm sorry? You're, you're former military yourself. Yes, I am. Yes, sir. Okay. So yes, you, my family is uh, military, too. Everyone in my family has served in the United States military. And so you, you think anyway, we should take action right now in North Korea? I mean, so you think a, a preventative, what, some kind of a preventative first strike on their facilities? I mean, what are you talking about? Invasion. Oh, wow. Invasion all the way around. I think, but I, I do have an opinion. Um, I think we should just get to the point with Chinese, with the Chinese government and say, either invade now, take care of, or we will. And I believe we should invade. I, I have a plan on how to do this. It's really simple. But it, it would have to be a blitzkrieg type invasion all at once from all sides. We have these missiles supposed to be able to shoot things down? Well, we should be using them. We should have been shooting them down a long time ago. A, a very know, a I, very uh, aggressive and, and risky approach, but it... it Hey, Ed, people are talking about the possibility of, of something like this happening in the not-too-distant future. So I do appreciate the call. appreciate your service, sir, and your families as well. Thank you. Um, I gotta, we're going to run in a break in a second. I wanted to uh, just here's because i, I got to play it. Villanueva, uh, here's what he had to say about the whole standing with the – go play it. I've made uh, Coach Tomlin – uh, look bad and, and that is my fault and that is my fault only I've made my teammates look bad and that is my fault and my fault only and I made the Steelers uh, also look bad and that is my fault and my fault only so unwillingly I have I've made a mistake um, and so um, you know I've, I've, I've talked to my teammates about the situation hopefully they understand it if they don't I still have to live with it because uh, the nature of this debate is uh, is, is is causing a lot of, of uh, very heated uh, reactions from from fans, from players, and and it's undeserving to all the players and coaches. From all right, he's he's a good man and a patriot, and I'm gonna have to take a look. You know, we're gonna spend some time thinking about this tonight here in the hut because w- was he shamed into this, or is that really how he feels? You know, is this peer pressure, or is this really what's in his heart? Because all I saw yesterday was a patriot standing for his country, and I'm wondering what's happened since then. We'll be right back. I had to laugh, uh, team. Buck, back with you here in the Freedom Hunt. Uh, I was seeing these stories over over the weekend, and and I'm noticing a, a trend with the uh, Democrat media now. Um, and the, the trend is as follows: they'll they'll go with a headline that creates a a perception of uh, some kind of impropriety, right? So they'll say, you know, here a perfect example was the recent headline I saw that, that was all over the place. Betsy DeVos, education secretary, uses a private jet for her travel. Oh, and this is supposed to tie in to the private, uh, some, some of the other administration officials who have been using a private jet recently, perhaps with some 
some problem, like Tom Price uh, using taxpayer-funded private jet use. But other sites, so Tom Price is doing this. He's using a, a jet, and they're looking into this, and taxpayers have been paying for it, and that's an issue. Then they go, oh, Betsy DeVos also using a private jet for work. And then you find out, if you read the story, you find out that she it's her jet and she pays for it. I mean, is there is is that uh, how how can that be a problem? I mean, if anything, the taxpayer we could all give her a high five and say thanks. You know, if you didn't want to take a government car to work, if you were going to take your own car and that was within regulations, why not? Right. Same thing with the jet. If if you're going to spend your own dime to do your government work, I don't see what the I don't see what the problem is. But they do it because a lot of people don't read beyond the headlines, and it's not just about clickbait. It's also a a form of perception management. The headlines in a lot of ways, the headline and maybe the first line of a story are the story on the Internet these days. It's what most people see. It's what their impression is of what's going on. So it doesn't really matter uh, if you eight paragraphs in give some better explanation for what's going on. If the headline is, you know, did this Republican say something really racist? Question mark. Everyone's going to go, whoa, it sounds like that Republican probably said something racist. But when they get into paragraph eight and they're like, actually, it wasn't that person at all. And this was just an unfounded rumor. The damage has already the damage has already been done. And you'll notice this with the recent frenzy over because uh, that this has just been happening. Right. Tom Price uses a private using a private jet and taxpayers paying for it. Betsy DeVos, who's a private jet, but she's paying for it. But let's talk about these just because people are going to assume that. Betsy DeVos must be doing something shady if she's using a private jet, too. And a lot of uh, a lot of folks won't even get to the part where they find out that she's done nothing wrong. Uh, another good example of this is the recent Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump uh, using private email fiasco. It's not a fiasco at all. They're if they've sent the emails so that they any communication has been uh, sent so that it is kept as a public record. This is not similar, and this is what they're trying to do. This is why CNN had a story on this I saw before I came on air. Oh, you know, Jared Kushner is using a private email. Well, no one's saying that he's talking about classified. You know, government officials use open phone lines to say, hey, you know, do you want to meet for lunch later? I mean, this this is not a, this is not a problem, but they they know that they'll be if they present the story in a certain way there'll be the perception of it as a problem and that's good enough if they just are able to construe it as though maybe there's an issue it has the same effect which is to get the democrat base all fired up oh see there's more impropriety from the trump people and those who don't read any further think that there must be some kind of an issue here Using a private email account, if you're forwarding those emails to your government email account and keeping those records, is is completely legal and ethical, and there's not an issue with it. Even if you forgot to do that once or twice because it was a minor form of communication, like, hey, you know, what do you want on your sandwich today? I'm making a run, right? I mean, government employees are normal human beings, too. I know this is sometimes lost on, on the media when they want to pretend like they can't put two and two together. But people in the government also have Gmail and Yahoo and Hotmail, and they have personal relationships with folks, and they'll have communications with them. It's only an issue if you're using private email for explicit work purposes and you're trying to hide them, i.e. you're not 
maintaining a record of those emails. Keep in mind, you can never really delete the emails anyway. Right? So, you know, a, a few emails here or there, it, it's not like they're ever going away. But also, we know that they, they want to normalize, there's that word. It is a, it is a useful word that the left, uh, the left has. They want to normalize Hillary's email uh, usage and make it seem like that whole story, that whole scandal was much ado about nothing. No, Hillary was talking about sensitive, classified government information on her private server. That's a world of difference from just using a private email server while you're a government employee a few times for unimportant communication that you're recording. But you can see, by the time I've already gotten past the headline, people might lose interest, they don't really care. But this is yet another instance of why we can't trust the media, why we shouldn't pay attention to their pretense of objectivity, that they're unbiased. It's just such a lie. It's so obvious. Uh, so anyway, the, the, the Kushner-Trump email thing, I just see nothing. Ivanka-Trump, I, I, there's nothing there, but they're going to pretend. They're just, they're just asking questions. They're just asking questions. Yeah, right. They're trying to make people think that there's much more going on than there is. I should note that this weekend I... Uh, went out. I went out. I found a, a spot on the roof of the, my building where I live, and I was uh, reading. What happened? Um, I am. I'm literally in the middle of of the book of the Hillary explanation, the official explanation for why it is that she uh, did not um, win the presidency, and it's amazing. She is. She takes more or less the the MSNBC host line at this point. The, the, the uh, previous practice of trying to maintain some veneer, some facade, some front of uh, you know, politician-like approach to these things. She's straight up saying, you know, Russia stole the election pretty much and, you know, Russian interference she talks about openly a lot. I mean, she is uh, a, a left wing. I think a lot of I think a lot of folks forgot this during the election that or at least this was hidden from them. I shouldn't say forgot, but this was hidden from them. She's a very left wing individual. This whole notion that she was a centrist or that she was a technocrat, meaning, you know, somebody who's just about getting it done and just about bringing her skills to bear for the American people. That is nonsense. She's a left winger and she always has been. She always will be. And she doesn't really accept the you know, she, she's doing a version of the I, I'm sorry if people were offended by my comments and that's your apology. You know, not I'm sorry for my comments. She's saying I take responsibility for losing the election. It's my fault. But I don't really take responsibility because Russia and these other things happen and James Comey. And it, it can't be both. Right. But I don't know. I'll have some more updates for you about what happened, which was not the most relaxing weekend reading I've ever had. But I, I did spend some time on it this weekend. Uh, we'll have some more thoughts in just a few, including a movie talk. Stay with me. Hey team, it's Buck. I I'm going to I'm going to tell you I'm going to give it to you straight. I did not use the crockpot this past weekend. I know it's terrible. Molly and I got uh, busy with some other things. She had some friends come over. One of her dear friends has wedding plans that she's making and the girls got talking about wedding stuff and the, the guys uh, her fiance came over too and they were talking about uh, well, we were talking about other things, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, I just didn't get around to the crock pot. And I, I feel bad because so many of you sent me and I'm keeping them all 
amazing uh, crock pot, or as I call it, slow cooker uh, recipes f- uh, that I'm going to be using. I'm, I'm going to have enough braised meat recipes going forward to, to last for quite some time. And I thank you for all that. It's very kind of you. And a, a lot of you are, are willing to make an exception for the fact that technically I'm not making barbecue, but you're giving me barbecue recipes that would work in a slow cooker. So not only am I going to do them, uh, do these recipes, I'm also going to take photo and video of it and be putting it up on social media. So you can see the end result, good and bad. I'm sure I'm going to be burning some things here and there and making the occasional uh, mistake in my cooking uh, explorations. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to be working on it. Also, saw a movie over the weekend that wasn't terrible. Uh, those who are somewhat new to the Freedom Hut uh, may not know that I have a reputation among my uh, beloved uh, Team Buck friends and family that I am harsh on movies. Now, let me first say, before we go too far down this path, that I am quick to say that TV right now is in a golden age. I mean, there are more good TV shows out there now than people have time for. I haven't even gotten to Narcos Season 3 yet, and I'm in the middle of The Strain, which I have to say, I really like. And the stuff I like from The Strain is always the flashbacks to give the the origin stories for those who don't know, The Strain is a show on FX about uh, vampires, but it kind of takes a virus as vampires, or vampires are a virus uh, approach to it, and it, and it adds some some nasty visuals to the whole vampire process. But they do all these uh, throwbacks to, well, they do a throwback to World War II, to the concentration camps, to Eastern Europe, to uh, all this backstory. And I, I just find that part of the show really interesting. And I, I just think it's great escapism, the storytelling they do. Uh, and keep in mind, I will be doing the real Dracula on this show, which is one of my favorite shows to do. That'll be on Halloween or whatever the closest day is we're on air to Halloween this year. Uh, so I, anyway, I, I think that there are a lot of great shows out there, but movies are often made now for the international market. This is why, you know, Fast and the Furious 15 does so well. Uh, this is why the Transformers can put out just loud CGI garbage, but it still makes money because you can dub a truck that has a giant sword that's fighting a helicopter that's also a dog that's also a stegosaurus or, you know, whatever the Transformer stuff is, but you know a, a well-written piece that explores characters and that doesn't literally it doesn't translate as well. So when you're looking at markets like Rio de Janeiro, Beijing, you know huge, uh, huge places around the world, huge uh, cities and countries that are also looking at, at movies, that's why they do so much of the big computer-generated imagery, the CGI, and and you have all of these serials, all of these uh, repeats. Uh, these franchises and superheroes and cartoons seem to be the only thing that make money. Okay, so I usually put down movies. I saw, I mean, the, the new stuff. And I, and I might have to go see Mother just because the reviews of it are so terrible that I want to know if I can come up with a more terrible review for it. I'm sure it's garbage. I think Darren Aronofsky is wildly overrated. I think Black Swan was a really bad movie. And my mother, who's a profession, was a professional ballet dancer for 
American Ballet Theater, which at the time was either the number one or two best, probably number one best ballet company in the United States. Uh, she always laughs when people talk about how great Natalie Portman's dancing was and how she trained so hard because it was not up to par for those who know what real classical ballet should look like. But nonetheless, I just thought it was a bad movie. And uh, I uh, might go see Mother because the reviews of it are saying things like it's the worst movie of the century. So that makes me want to go check it out. And I also um, uh, want to just have some touchstone, some point of reference for how bad movies can get these days that are hyped up. But I saw La La Land and I will say it's a solid B plus that it was up for best picture. And that actually, if you remember, people thought it won best picture and then they realized that it was the wrong envelope or whatever, uh, th- that it was up for Best Picture really, for me, solidifies my thesis that movies, big-budget, two-hour-long movies, are in a decline. And this was a decent movie that tried to have some... It had some good music, nice acting, nice performances. It was a real movie. It wasn't, you know, boom, bang, bing, bang, boom, you know, just lots of loud explosions and flashes of color and light on screen. Um, this was a, it was a real movie. It was a musical, uh, and I think they did a good job with it. And it certainly romanticizes a bit of the struggle in L.A. Uh, for actors and musicians these days. It was funny for me because when I was out in Los Angeles, I saw my just a few weeks ago. I saw my college roommate, and he is a working musician, and we've been friends up to this day. And it's funny now I think about how we've almost been friends for twenty years. And, uh, you know, he tells me about the music scene and he's a successful musician, but not a a household name. And what goes on with all that and the struggles, that's maybe a story for another time. But here's my thing about La La Land, uh, which was like the runner up for best picture. I guess you could say it was best picture until it wasn't. It was um, it was about 20 or 30 minutes too long. I wish that people would understand that 90 minutes for me is really the sweet spot for a movie. Two hours is long. Two and a half hours is way too long. And three hours, unless it's Braveheart, which really should have been like a five-hour epic or something. It should have been multiple movies. They should have spread it out because it was so amazing. But for me, 90 minutes is where you want it for a movie because two hours often, it just drags. And I think La La Land dragged a bit. Molly made me watch it over the weekend. I liked it. I mean, I, I gave it a B plus. And as I started out saying, I don't hate all movies. That is that is not fair when people say that Buck hates all movies. It's not true. Or new movies, right? There's obviously, I love action movies. I love a lot of 80s and 90s movies. Uh, but recently, I think movies have been in the dumpster a bit. And you know, La La Land's a solid B+, I'd give it. Uh, so that was my, my little movie review from over the weekend. If you haven't seen it, I think you'd like it. It's nice. It's worth watching. It's better than just see it on a plane. I'd say it's on demand at home if you can definitely give it a shot if you have not already now i want to watch the movie that won uh i think moonlight it was called i can't remember but that won best picture uh, i'll have to go check that out now to see if i like that um i'm going to be in vegas i should note later on this week so you'll have some broadcasts uh from the vegas freedom hut which is like hey you know vegas we're going to give Daddy the Rain Man suite. Do you dig that? We're going to Vegas, Mike. Vegas! Vegas. You think we get there by midnight? Money, we're going to be up 500 by midnight. Yeah, Vegas! Vegas, baby! Vegas! Swingers, great movie if you haven't seen it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some folks out there and, and getting a chance to... I don't gamble, so 
I, I just go to the restaurants and look at the sites. And after a few days in Vegas, I've usually I've usually done it. You know, it's a great town for a few days for me, but I'm always happy to uh, come back to my own concrete concrete jungle here in New York City. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Vegas should be fun. I'm going to be out there and uh, not gambling, but uh, doing what one does in Vegas when one does not gamble, which for me just means going to different restaurants and maybe I'll go catch a show. I don't know who's out there right now, but I'm sure there's some shows that are worthwhile. Uh, So with that team, I will say uh, thank you as always for hanging out with me here in the Freedom Hunt. Looking forward to being with you every day this week. Same time, same place. Uh, If you have any great Vegas recommendations from your last time there, you can send them to me at facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And if you have not already, please do click like and follow me on Facebook. It's one of the favorite ways I have to communicate with all of you. I'm constantly reading the messages and responding, and it's a way to keep in touch with as much of the team as I can. Uh, And so also check out bucksexton.com slash store if you have not already gotten gear and, uh, you know, send me send me a Facebook message if you want with with your gear and I'll, I'll share it on the on the big Facebook. And then we can we can all see how people are, are rocking the Team Buck squad gear. Uh, so with that, I'm going to close out the Freedom Hut for the night and honor a privilege and a pleasure as always to have had you here with me until next time. Shields high.